can be seated this morning. Uh, we, we just, a um, few of us went over to the airport to see Dave and Kate off and the beautiful little children. And it, it was just a beautiful scene there. And um, Kate's family were there and a few from the church. And we gathered around them as, you know, it's been a long journey, hasn't it? It's been a long time kind of waiting for them to leave. We all kind of thought, well, is, is it going to happen just quietly? But it actually did happen. I wanted to let everyone know that they got on the plane. They actually got on the plane. And then the plane was held up for about a half an hour because of the winds, and we were thinking, oh man, you know, is this really going to happen? But eventually the plane went off, and um, they went off. There was, there was tears, but you know, the children were just so excited. It was just beautiful. They were filled up with excitement. They had their little trolleys, and little Maddie, she was out those doors, and the wind nearly lifted her off the tarmac. She was way ahead of all the others, you know. And, and you just got a glimpse of, man, she's going to be on the edge girl later. She'll always be running for a plane. And she was way out there, and one of the men had to go and scoop her up because the wind nearly took her, carry her to the steps. And she walked up the steps, and um, she was way ahead of the family. And then she turned around, and she just waved at her. This little tot, she was on her way. You know, bless her. I I just saw the future ahead of her, and it was so exciting. And, of course, you know, Mike's not here, so it was a big thing for Joy and the family being out there. And and Joy held herself together really well. And here she is. She's going to preach this morning. I want you all to stand and give her a big, big welcome this morning. Just love her. Yes, there are a few disadvantages in having the house to yourself. I'm used to having endless cups of teas brought to me in bed. I was sitting up in bed this morning. It's 9.25, I better get up. So I rapidly got dressed. But it was so quiet, it was so peaceful. Mind you, I was wallowing in the bath about 1 o'clock in the morning because that was nice too. I could do what I like. <laughs> I've never had it so quiet. <laughs> but yes, there's a tremendous amount of love poured out from the church, especially last Sunday. It was just tremendous to see what God's doing in our midst, isn't it? He's unlocking such a flow of, of love in the church. And, um, and Lynn preached on the Father's heart last night, and I still believe it's a word that God is, um, is bringing out at this time. It's a kind of a timely word. I mean, uh, words come out in season, but right now, it seems to be all about the father and sonship. And uh, I want to talk about today breaking free of the orphan spirit, because I believe um, God wants to set us free of a spirit that can get around us. We can be born again loving Jesus, but still have an orphan spirit. And um, I'm still going to share my own journey a bit at this, on this um, thing, because I think part of um, what God's doing is Letting us be very open and vulnerable and sharing who we are and how God's taking us. And so um, I just want to share a little bit about the Father. You know, it's, it's all about the Father at the moment. And actually at the end time, I was looking at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 24. Right at the end, then comes the end, and he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God the Father. I mean, when Jesus has brought everything under subjection and we're all in Christ and we're all honoring him, then he's going to release it all to the Father. It's all about the Father, actually. It's his kingdom. He said, pray, our Father, your kingdom come. And it's the Father who rewards in secretly. It's the Father who, who wants, it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And it's really all about the Father. But to have a relationship with the Father uh, we need to get rid of the orphan spirit and understand how to be a son. And it's not a generic term because we're all in Christ. And he's the son and we're one of him, a part of him. And so he talks about bringing forth sons at this age. And, and we're going to be talking soon when Mike gets back about our church vision. And the first line of the church vision is really raising up sons. So we, it's understanding now what is a son? And what is it like to be a son? And in Romans 8, verse 15, he said, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, and you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. And I've become hugely aware of how much fear has been holding me in bondage over this last year. But he's giving us another spirit, a spirit of adoption. And we're going to cry, I'm a father. So Jesus modeled everything. He modeled living out of relationship with his father all the time he's on earth. Everything he said is what the father told him to say. And 
He had a day of adoption at his baptism at the age of 30. He was declared by the Father to be his well-beloved son. And basically, God wants us to come into the same place where we are mature sons. We can be endued to the Father's checkbook. We can release his resources. We can fully operate in the inheritance he's laid up for us. He wants the spirit to come upon us so we can function as mature sons. That's what he has for us. Spirit of adoption, he will cry, Father, Abba, Father, in a very intimate relational way. This is part of the end times. And I also looked at the last verse in Malachi when he said at this end time, there's going to be a turning of hearts. And to come into a real spirit of sonship doesn't cry involve, at least for me, a heart transformation. I mean, I was watching Mike. Some people actually just have a zap. They actually have an impartation. And he actually had a tremendous meeting where the father's heart was released to 600 young people. You know, in Asia, it's so sad. They don't have any relationship with their dads. They just see them as an ATM machine. <laughs> and he functions like that a lot of the time. It's, honestly, it's so sad. They don't have any concept of what it is to have a father that loves them. Such a huge cry. And when he just pours out and releases a father's heart upon them, they can just drink it in and change quite quickly. But for many of us, it's more a transformation than a turning of heart and facing heart issues, which can come around our spirit. And it says in the end of Malachi, he's going to turn the heart of fathers to the children and turn the heart of children to the father. And if we don't turn, we'll actually inherit a curse because the curse never comes from God, but the curse comes from the state we're in when we come into agreement with lies and other things. We actually step ourselves into a curse. But God never wants us to live under that. He wants us to live under his Father's blessing and resources, but it needs a turning of heart to come into that. So an orphan spirit is when you have no relationship with a father. An orphan doesn't know a father, and, um, and they have no understanding, therefore, of the father's heart. It might be just a figurehead, but they don't understand his heart, his passions, his love, his, where it's coming from. It's just that they're devoid of all of that. And I, I remember when Mike was preaching recently on, the, on the Luke 15, the two sons. And that's a real clear picture of two sons in the father's house. And both of them had an orphan spirit at one stage. The first son, he wanted, he wanted all the father's goods. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to go out and have fun. This is just, you just hold back on me. I just want to have life and all these restrictions around here. You know, gimme, gimme, gimme. And in rebellion, he went out and... Um, and got to a place where he was in a really low place in a pig pen before he really came to the senses. And then he had a progression back and encountered the Father's heart. It's a beautiful story. And some of us, that's been our journey. You've just in rebellion, you've gone out and just tried to find life for yourself and, and just tried to grab everything for yourself. But from your pig pen state, the, the love of the Father reaching out for you caused you to think differently and, and make your way back. And you encountered a father that was incredibly loving. He actually didn't worry about the smell and what you'd been into. He wasn't even really worried about your sin because he had made provision for it. He was worried about relationship. He just wanted you back. And that was a beautiful story. But the older prodigal, the older son of that story, is just as much an orphan as many of us can be in churches. And he had never done anything right. He'd performed for his father, done everything right. And yet when a sinner was coming back, he was actually quite brassed off. This kid got so much attention and, and um, they didn't worry about all the things he'd been into and he'd been so right for so long. <laughs> and I thought, this is such a, a manifestation of an orphan spirit that can, well, got into my life, really. Far more concerned about being right than the law of love, which Jesus demonstrated, the Father heart demonstrated. And even, I wonder how many we can be obstacles for people coming back to the Lord because we're just standing on the same position as the older brother and actually get envious and critical and negative and how come they're getting all the attention and I've been doing all these jobs around here for so long. I've been here an hour and a half before every service and nobody notices me. You know, he didn't have the father's heart either. And I feel this is a category that, is, that I've been in and that um, you, you love the law. Love being right. You can prove you're right. Get really legal over it. Justify your situation. But 
the law of love is what's been violated. The law of love is the unconditional love of the Father, which doesn't look at what the person's done. It's the extravagant love of the Father that is poured out beyond this grace. Grace is not earned. It's just a tremendous revelation of a love that's totally undeserved. And, and we can struggle with that if you've been very self-righteous. So, you know, have you been in the pig pen? And how did you view God? And, uh, and often it's a reflection of your own experience of fathers. I was thinking about that myself. I mean, at one stage I was pregnant, unmarried. I thought, why didn't I run home to Daddy and say, I need help? No way. I was expecting criticism, judgment, you know. I just didn't want to go there. I didn't go there. Because my concept of, of father was not an accurate picture of God's father's love. Because God's father really wanted to receive a sinner back and say, look, it's okay. I can forgive you, find a way through this, help you. But we can have these mindsets of God that he's going to be like that. No way am I going to come up in church, you know, just be told I'm a bad person I am and feel judged and criticized and condemned. Who'd want that? They'd run a mile. I did. <laughs> but we can still have those concepts that no matter what state we're in, that something is still hindering us from coming and encountering a father's love. Or maybe you just love being right in your own eyes and uh, violate that law of love. But we're actually created right in the beginning when God created man. We were created for an intimate relationship with God. That's what we're made for. We're made to give and receive love. That's what we're designed to be like. And, um, and uh, right back in the Garden of Eden, that got lost because Eve was deceived. Now, she got deceived by Satan, who was the, had the biggest orphan spirit of anybody. He was cast out of heaven because he wanted to rise up and be equal with God. He hates intimacy. He hated the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve. He, he didn't want that because he, he, he didn't have that. And he still doesn't want anybody to have that. He wants to rob you of that. And he's very active to rob you of that with deception. The way he does it is to deceive you with, with thoughts that are wrong thoughts. And this is how Eve got deceived. He came in, you know, you want to be like God? You know, he's, he's more than what you can have than what you're having now. And, and, um, and she believed those enemies' lies. I believe lots of enemy lies. And the consequence is... Um, you lose the intimate relationship with God. And um, about the way back, God wants to bring us back now so that we come back to what we designed to have. And I love it. The way back is through Jesus. He's the one, because let's look at John. Now, Lynn was looking at John last week, and it's a good place to start. John is so full of relationship with the Father stuff. But first of all, John 3, verse 3. Verily, verily. Unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. The kingdom is so much bigger than the born-again experience. But that's the doorway. You can't encounter the Father's love. You can't encounter the Father's house. You can't encounter the Father's resources. You can't be part of his kingdom unless you're born again. That's the way to have reconciliation with the Father. And it says in John 3.16, I always thought it was the love of Jesus mainly that um, that caused him to go to the cross, but really it was the Father's love. God, God the Father in heaven, so yearned for his children that were out of relationship with them now because the sin came in. He didn't want them like that. He didn't want them cut off from him. He hated it. He wanted, he so loved us. He wanted them back in relationship with him. And I'm sure Jesus could sense the dilemma in the heart of God, the Father yearning, and just like the prodigal son, Father, yearning, waiting, very unhappy with his children being so far away from him. So I think Jesus, seeing the father's heart, said, well, I'd, I'd be happy to go. Can, can I help? <laughs> and that was the way that the sin issue could be dealt with because it was sin that was stopping us having that relationship. And Jesus came because of the father's heart for us to deal with the sin issue. And he totally dealt with the sin issue. All our sin was put on him. 
And now he can come to the Father. He doesn't even worry about the sin issue because he's made provision for it. So if we can respond to Jesus and thank him that he's dealt with that sin issue and acknowledge Jesus and receive him, we can come straight into a relationship with Father. And he says he didn't come to condemn us. He wasn't there ready to whip us with a big stick and tell us what wicked people we were. We should have known better. He didn't have that heart at all. He wanted us picked up out of our mess and back into intimacy with him. What a father's love. The father's love is just so big. And in verse 20, um, over in chapter 16, the last things that Jesus said before he went to heaven were so profound and so important to understand. But in John chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples. They'd walked with him. He'd reflected and shown them what the father was like. And now he said in, in, in verse 23, he says, um, John 16, 23, Verily I say to you, whatever you ask the father in my name, he will, he will give it to you. Up to now, you haven't asked anything in my name. But I want you to start asking that your joy will be full. Now, your name is not like a postage stamp that you just put on the thing before you post it. It's not just an add-on. It's because of who you are in Christ, because of your standing, because of your positioning, you can ask. And he goes on in verse um, 26. At that day, you will ask in my name, and I say unto you that, and I, and I say not unto you that I'm going to pray to the Father for you. In other words, I'm not going to do all the message taking to the Father for you anymore. I'm not going to be the one that you prayed to and he's going to ask the Father. I'm past that now. I'm going to the Father. I'm putting, his Spirit's going to come to you and now you're going to ask the Father because of who you are in me. Now's the time to ask the Father. Dad, I need this. This is the time because because Jesus has gone back to heaven and he's not going to be the one so long. He wants us to have a relationship with the Father because of who we are in him. I think it's exciting in verse 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life. This is really what eternal life is, that you might only know, you know the true God. You know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. We actually have a relationship with both. We love Jesus. We're joined to Jesus. We can't be any closer to Jesus because our spirit's joined to his spirit. We're one with him. He is our life. There's no life outside of him. For me to live is Christ. He, he's everything. He's our life. But because of that, we can now relate to the Father that he related to. He wants us to have a relationship with the Father. In um, 1 John 2, 1 John 2, 23, he said, Whoever denies the Son... Then you can't have the Father if you deny the Son, because Jesus is the way to the Father. But if you acknowledge the Son, if you receive Jesus, you can have the Father also. And let that therefore abide in you which you've heard from the beginning. If that which you heard from the beginning remain in you, shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So we still have a wonderful relationship with Jesus, our big brother, who loves us and we can be so intimate and close to. But we also... He wants us to have a relationship with the Father that he had a relationship with. And these two relationships are, are, are something I've just become far more aware now of a relationship with Father than I have for a long time. Our relationship with Jesus, I love it in Hebrews, he says, he's not ashamed to call us brothers. Isn't that amazing that Jesus isn't ashamed to us? He's our big brother. And he's not ashamed of us. He, he likes to hang out with us. He wants us to be we're the bride of Christ. We can't get much closer. It's the intimate love relationship with Jesus because we're one with him. But also the Father. The Father is not ashamed to be our God. He doesn't look at all the mess we came out of. He's not ashamed to be our God. I thought, wow, God, you're so good. But anyway, so it's possible to be, to be a new creation, born again, full of the Holy Spirit, love God, passionate with God, and... Um, and alive in the spirit, and yet still have an orphan spirit. In other words, you're not really knowing the Father's heart. And, um, and the reason for this is because our spirit is encased with our soul. It's like a great big hard uh, shell, cave, um, box around some of us. 
our soul. But inside that soul is a person who loves God, really loves God, would do anything for God, wants to serve God, you know, is just alive to God. And yet the problem that creates the orphan spirit is, is the soul and all the thoughts that have become strongholds. They've become so strong that you just think that way without even thinking. <laughs> you don't even give it a conscious thought. It just goes that way because it's been going that way for so long. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Yay, strongholds. That's why we're fasting. We're going to tear down some of these strongholds because they're stopping us from having um, intimacy with God. It gives us an orphan spirit. And, um, and uh, so, uh, again, I love Romans 7. This describes me so much. <laughs> All those things I want to do, sometimes I don't do. What's stopping me from doing them? And it says in Romans 7, verse 23, I see another law working in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Ah, wretched person I am. And, but go back to verse 22. I delight with the law of God in the inward man. I mean, the spirit man, the man on the inside, delights in God, loves the word of God, hungers after God. That's the real me. That's who I am. The inward man, the spirit man, is actually you. That's what you identify with. There's something else wars away in your, in your members, in your, in, your, in your thought life, and holds you into captivity. And that's what's stopping you from being a full son that can enjoy father love. Actually held in captivity through a sin energy which is working in your thought life. And actually is a, a real energy that can war against the life and the spirit. God is just setting our us free from this now. He's really on this case. If he's on it with me, I'm sure he's on it with half the church because this is what he's on. He wants sons that can relate to him and be free and, and full of his joy and ask anything boldly in his name. So what happens? What, what causes us to get in this horry, hard case of, of strongholds? Well, it starts off usually with a, a pain or a wounding or a painful experience. And I don't know anybody that's come through life without a painful experience. But in the painful experience, this is what can go on. You can make a judgment. You can, in concluding what's happening around you, you can come to a decision. And, you get, and this is where the enemy wants to come in and bring lies and deception. The enemy works really strong on a person that's shattered and broken and wants to really deceive you. There's nobody here to care for you. You're alone in this world. Um, protect yourself. You better make sure you've got a big armour around you so you don't get hurt again. Um, avoid vulnerability now at all costs. It's only going to hurt. <laughs> you know, these sort of lies. Ah, I read an interesting book this week. Some of you guys have been doing Wild at Heart. The woman version of that, Captivity, is really good. This lady was talking about our core beliefs. Then she sent all the women away to go into their rooms and to try and identify some of their core beliefs. And in one room, there were three women, and, uh, and uh, one of them got an asthma attack. But she had a core belief, don't ask for help. <laughs> and the other one in the room had a, had a core belief, uh, you've got no voice, nobody wants to hear you. And the other one had a core belief, you've got nothing to offer anybody. <laughs> God used that scenario to help them identify their core beliefs. Oh, the help, I've got all three. <laughs> you know, I had a core belief that you've got nothing to offer, You've got no voice. Uh, don't ask for help. You'll be a needy person. Who wants to be a needy person? Yeah? But these are core beliefs that keep you an orphan. Ooh, this is to hit home. Well, I thought, it's me, 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 me. And, um, and then behind the deception then leads to fear. I knew I had fears, but I had to understand where the fears come from. So you have a fear of being vulnerable, fear of rejection. Fear of abandonment. Fear of all these things that have come because of the deceptions you've been to agree with. Ah, but we don't have to live with the fear because God's come to deliver us from that fear that's held us in bondage and bring us into sonship. Oh, thank goodness. But, um, yeah, I had fear of revealing my true self, you know. Fear of, um, of trust. Fear of feeling deeply. Because feelings can really hurt if you feel them. <laughs> and, um, and so you, 
a sinful response, which many of us can have found ourselves getting into, is that you close off your spirit and you build a fortress and, um, and then you usually manifest blame, justifying, denying, all those things which keep it away from you <laughs> so you don't have to <laughs> expose your vulnerable self. Oh, but the wages of sin is death. It's actually a sinful response and its consequence is death. Isolation, numbness, distance, aloneness. Anybody identify with a nice little safe place? Num num land. <laughs> oh, anyway, the Lord has been trying to get my attention to how much I've been in num num land. <laughs> and in a prophetic church, prophetic things happen. So last year, one lady in the church got a prophetic dream. And she knew it was me. She lived and experienced me. <laughs> at the time when I took on an orphan spirit. And I, I, uh, I was aware, hey, yeah, yeah, it's true, that did happen. And I did feel like that, and that pain was immense, and I didn't really want to feel it. It was actually right back when I was aged 11, and um, we had a car accident, and um, my mother was the driver of the car, and my grandmother was in the car, and they all ended up in Palmerston Hospital. I was 11, and my older sister was 13, and um, other family members. But my 13-year-old sister got killed. And there's a big gap between me and the next ones in the family. So I was just me, but with my mum in hospital, my nana in hospital, and my dad who, well, he had three preschoolers, he had a breastfeeding two-month-old baby, he had a wife in hospital, and he was on overload, and he was fairly locked up emotionally anyway. So I went into captivity at that place, into a place of, um, of just walling off, because I didn't know where to go to. So that prophetic dream showed me where that happened. <laughs> if that wasn't enough, I thought, yay, I've worked through that now, I'm right. And then, you know, when my mother died, we brought Michelle home for a week. And the first night in our home, the Lord dropped in a, a song into her heart for me. She said, I'd like to sing it to you before you leave. I thought, that'd be nice. <laughs> I'd like to read it to you because I'm trying to be vulnerable. And it's not easy, it's not my usual pattern. But I think... Intimacy is into me see. And I think you'll see that some of you could be like this. Now, at this stage, um, my, they had two little girls in the family. There was Margaret and Miriam, and I was Miriam. <laughs> because it sounded nice, Margaret and Miriam. But when Margaret died, Dad decided we should be Joy and Janet. Because that goes nice together too. So <laughs> I lost my sister and I lost my name all at the same time. So it was a bit of a uh, captivity. So this is what she's saying. I'm a young girl called Miriam, that's who I am, happy with my big sister at, by my side. My sister, my friend, the only one I can depend. She knows what I want to say. She's the one I want to share each day. I'm a young girl called Miriam, that's who I am, happy with my big sister by my side. Then came the day she was taken away. And this is what happened to my soul. Loneliness enveloped me as I cried myself to sleep. A deep emptiness came. How can I escape the pain? Feelings must be locked away so I can face another day. Now, I believe some of you have had similar experiences where something happened and you locked it away. Everything has changed. I've even lost my name. No more tears to cry. I'm living numb inside. The voice of my heart no one hears. Silence will take away my tears. My fears on myself I will depend, and loneliness can be my friend. I'm a young girl called Miriam, that's who I am, missing my big sister by my side. Now this is what's happening, I believe, right across the church. Now the voice of the Lord is calling, Miriam, where did you hide your feelings? Your time of silence is ending. Your broken heart needs amending. My love holds the key. You can give all the pain to me. Don't be afraid to feel. My love will hold you as you heal. You're my daughter, my Miriam. I know who you are. I'm your father, the healer of your heart. Now, isn't that a journey that I think others like me have been on? But now's the time to get free of the orphan spirit, which cuts us off from being vulnerable, from being open, from being real. And um, because... Actually, what we do, there's several other things we often turn to, to, to 
instead of the Father's love. I'll just give you seven Ps, because you might identify one of these places you're hiding in. One is um, passion of the flesh, which is addictions and escapism, anything you do that makes you feel better, that um, often you eat or drink or smoke, or, but you somehow make yourself feel comfortable. Possessions, you can turn to possessions. Think if you've got lots of flash cars and nice homes and you already feel good about yourself. Position. If I can just have the praise of man and approval of man and you know people say nice things about me all the time, then I'll feel good about myself. Performance. It's a common one. I just got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more, I got to do more so that I'm loved and accepted. Or people. That's another one. You can ask, if Mike would only meet my need, then I'd be fine. Your spouses often had this demand put on them to meet your need and your cry of your heart. But it's not meant to be met in any person, but in the Father's love. Or place, a better job, live somewhere else, just anything but here. Or power, controlling your own life and your destiny. And, but these are all alternatives. And I believe any one of those you can find that is quite strong around your life. And it's just a little indication that's probably an orphan spirit behind it. So, um, but this is the time for homecoming. It really is a time for us to come home into relationship with the Father. And God is very specific in his word, the keys, the ways, the attitudes to come back into healing. One is just acknowledging your state. It might come loud and clear with, all sorts of signs and bells and whistles, but sooner or later, if you can face what the Lord's trying to show you and say, yeah, yeah, I'm coming to my senses. I do need the Father's love and face the pain and receive the Father's comfort and healing. And I never actually realized that God was such a comforter. I just received that in a special way even last week. No, week before last, I was, I was away. And I was just meditating on the Father's comfort and um, I was kind of reliving this painful experience a bit. And I thought, no, I'm going to ask God to, to really comfort me and become childlike. You know, sit on his knee and feel hugged by him and kissed by him and, and actually drink in his love. I, I, I'd never seen my own dad as much of a comforter, really. He was a good man, but not very good at comforting. But to have comfort from God's beautiful. And then... He just showed me a very clear picture of my sister's face beaming at me. A bit like that story in the shack where a person had been through a tragedy and the Lord showed him his child in heaven and just the reality of the joy and the presence they're in. God can comfort so strongly and love into that very place of brokenness and it's just beautiful to experience. But it takes humility. Nothing in the kingdom of God can be gained unless you can... Put your pride aside and be humble. Because actually God gives grace to the humble, but he <laughs> resists the proud. So getting rid of your pride is quite a major obstacle. But if you can humble yourself, whew, God's grace will just run towards you. It's just beautiful. So that means being open to feedback. Yuck. <laughs> Confessing your part and acknowledging the decisions you made actually were your decisions. And repent, which actually means change your thinking. You judge God wrongly. You turn to an alternative way of comforting and feeling good. Just acknowledge, I've done that, Lord. I had a wrong thought towards you. And I've turned to this to make me feel, I'm so sorry, Lord. And then forgive. Forgive those that misrepresented the Father's heart to you. Because really there's no human that does represent God really, really well. And many parents or authority figures have actually misrepresented the love of God forgive them. Just let it go. Forgive them. And then ask them to forgive you for um, how you behave towards them. Because um, you know, the way you hurt others. I remember becoming really aware once of how much I was, I was judging my parents for their, their outlook on life. And I just asked them to forgive me for the, forgive them. Ask them to forgive me for the judgments I've made and the box I'd hurled them in and and ask them to, it's just to forgive me for the way I responded to them. And they just unlocked such a flow of, of love. You know, they just couldn't help but respond by expressing their love back. 
It's so powerful if you can acknowledge it. You must have hurt them the way you closed off and the way you judged. Or even authority figures in the church. Just, I remember having to go up to my pastor. It was Liz's lovely father. Every time he came around, I was armed off, keeping him at bay, because I didn't want him to get too close, and he was very good at getting under your skin. But then when I realized it was pride and it was, you know, independence, and I said to him one day, I'm sorry I was like that. I'm sorry I didn't open my heart to you. I'm sorry I kept myself walled off. Oh, you forgive me. It's part of the process of, of coming out of, of being humble, really. And, um, and then these strongholds, these beliefs that have, that they're lies, as you identify them, in Jeremiah 1.10, he says, we've got to do some pulling down. We've got to do some tearing down, breaking the strongholds, the fortress that we've been in. Tear them down, destroy them. These thoughts, um, you know, that I can't open my emotions, that I don't trust anybody, that you can't speak or ask for help, or you don't need others. These are strongholds. They're keeping you an orphan. They keep me an orphan. And... Start to embrace the truth. Actually, I do need love. I'm made for love. I'm made to be a receiver and giver of love. I, I receive my father's love. You know, one good way to receive your father's love is actually to say, thank you for your love, Lord. Just thank him for it. Another thing I often do, I picture him looking down on me smiling and I lift up and I smile back. Because <laughs> it helps me put me in the frame of mind that I can receive it. There's little actions you can do to receive your father's love. And, um, and I need and I choose to love. I choose to love my family. I choose to love um, the body of Christ. I, I choose to love the unlovely. I'm not only going to love the, the big fish that can do something for me. I'm going to love the people that can't do anything for me. I'm just going to love like my father loves. And um, choose to honor authority because it's a, a key to being a, a son. Uh, I receive the Father's love and give it away. I, I live out of relationship with Father. I've got no agenda. Because an orphan has their own agenda. They've turned away from any of their Father's plans for their life and they have their own agenda. But I embrace whatever the Father wants. That's what I do. I thought with one lady in our church, I was so proud of her. She got woken up in the night this week to give a mobility scooter away. And she could have sold it and probably got a thousand bucks for it. But Father said, give it away to this person. So she just gave it away. That's whatever the Father's agenda is, you do. Isn't that beautiful? And, and so many of you have been just responding to the Father's impressions. I, just for the giving for Pakistan, the stories of so many that have just heard the Father say, give. And out of your sacrifice, out of your have not having a lot, you've given. Because that's what it is to be a son. It's his mission, and, and we're going to be part of it because we're sons. And... Um, and then anticipate the Father's going to embrace you and welcome you home. Jesus came to restore capacity for intimacy and for um, love. Some of us have been hindered. We love God. We serve God. We make ourselves available for God. But in our spirit, we've been an orphan. We've been an orphan because of the strongholds. Orphan for belief systems that have been so part of us, we don't even think about it. We just act that way. But now's the time that the Lord wants to set us free of being an orphan and enable us to be a real son that can enjoy all the benefits of the Father, us daddies, directly for what we need and, and draw it around our life. And everything Jesus has becomes ours. But the most important thing Jesus had was his relationship with his Father. And that's ours also. I love um, Revelation, those, those promises to the overcomer. I love the one in Revelation 3. And he said, um, Revelation 3, to him that overcomes, to him that will break through, to him that will get over the stronghold stuff and become a son, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame, and I'm sit down with my father in his throne. Isn't that amazing? Jesus is finally sitting with his father at his throne. And he said, if you're going to be in Christ, part of me, you'll sit there with me. And you'll enjoy the fellowship of the Father and reigning over his kingdom too. What a tremendous promise to come into full sonship, to come into a relationship with Daddy and not be an orphan, feeling that we've just closed off. Just closed off. Somewhere in your life, you might have closed off. It's usually because you went through a horrific experience and it was far too painful for you to bear at that time and you didn't feel you could run into your Father's arms then. 
You didn't know him. You didn't know he was there to meet your need. So you closed off. But he's not going to leave you there. Because right now he's raising sons who are not orphans, who are not shut off from giving and receiving love. They're going to be so able to drink in the Father's love and give it away because that what is going to cause the world to come know the Lord. They're going to see what Father's like through us. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We want the world to know what the Father's like because they see us. Unconditional love. You don't look at all the things they do. Jesus has made provision for all that sin. He just wants a relationship with them. He wants them to come home. He wants to embrace them and celebrate them and get back into fellowship with them. Isn't that beautiful what God's doing today? I just wonder, I'm one of the musicians could sing that song we sang before at the end about embracing the love of God and um, uh, hold, uh, what's that last one? Power of your love. And um, it's just, just um, uh, three responses. As I said, the way to the Father, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. If you reject Jesus and resist Jesus, then you don't have access to the Father. And maybe there's somebody here that's never actually received Jesus and realized that he's made provision for your sin. He's made provision. You don't have to be worried necessarily about the consequences of all your sin and feel guilt and shame and condemnation because there's provision already made. All we have to do is acknowledge Jesus Your blood is sufficient to cover all my sin. And I'm going to thank you for what you've done and come home. If there's anybody here today who's never received Jesus, that's that's the entrance point. You can't even get anything else unless you receive Jesus. And if if you're in that category today, I'd love you to come up as we finish this um, service. There's two other groups of people. One is um, those that you feel, as I've talked, that you've actually got an orphan spirit. You've seen some of the things that you've taken around your life to make you feel good. But really, the one and only thing that will really make you feel totally free and full of joy is the love of the Father received. In other words, open up and allow it to be poured into you. And uh, I believe we can stand with you and pray against that orphan spirit. Some, it will be a process. For me, it's been a process. I've had to identify the thoughts and tear them down. Some, God will just pour in his Father's love on the spot and give you a sense and a taste of it. But either way, I think maybe if you, if you identify with an orphan spirit and you don't want to live there any longer, if you come on this side, or if you're just crying out to feel the Father's love poured into you, maybe you come on this side. Because God is wanting sons, real sons, not just in a relationship with Jesus, but able to go past that and relate to his father and receive his love and be part of the father's business, extending his kingdom. Because he sees all the things you do in secret and it's the father that rewards you. It's his kingdom. And we want him to really fully embrace living in his kingdom as sons. So we can just sing that song, Sue, and we'll close this service. And I just, um, Lord, I just thank you for what you've shown us about your tremendous heart of love. Lord, and even as you've shown me areas where I've walled off and closed off and kept myself safe and embraced self-love rather than the law of love. I pray, Lord, that you'd also bring an understanding to any others here who are walled off and not really able to enjoy the Father. I pray that you break this orphan spirit right off this church so we'd truly demonstrate your Father's heart to everybody that comes here. In Jesus' name. Lord, I come to you, let my heart be changed, renewed, flowing from grace. Yes, those that are orphans, don't remain an orphan. Jesus has come to bring the love of the Father to you. that need the love of the Father poured into you today. Come. He's more than happy to release His love to you through His people, through His sons.
you've closed off, been through painful experiences and you've actually chosen to close off and keep yourself safe because the pain has just been too unbearable. And I understand that. But the way back is to acknowledge I've done this, Lord. I have closed my heart off to you and I'd just like to lead you through a prayer. Father God, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I have closed my heart off to you. I have become an orphan. I've turned to other things to uh, make me feel good. But I realize the one place I need to come to is into your loving arms. I come to you today, Lord. I open my heart afresh to you. I ask you to pour your love into my wounds. May you help me to arise and be what you've called me to be. A true son. I tear down the strongholds that have been built around my life. As I fast through this season, I ask you that these things will be exposed what they are. And I can build your truths into my life. I love you, Lord. I receive your love today. I'd like them, some of the pastors and ministers to come and pray for the ones on this side who just need to have received the Father's love today. He's more than happy to pour his love in any time we need it, you know. But it's nothing special about coming into the body of Christ and allowing his people to that can receive his love and pour it into your spirit. Wow, there's just nothing like it. I was so blessed last Sunday. There's so many people hugging me, and I'm just starting to enjoy receiving the love. And it was such a powerful flow of love. It's so wonderful to receive love. And God wants our church to become like this, where we can pour love into one another, encourage one another, and be free of any orphan spirit. It's not who we are. We're a family. We've got a God. We've got a relationship with a Father and a big brother who's made provision for all of our sin. So thank you.
thank you, Jesus, for a wonderful morning. Every time we speak about the love of God, you know, and the Father's love, His everlasting love, it says His everlasting love. His love is here this morning, but it is for everlasting. Just open your hearts here, those in the front that are being prayed and being prayed for. You need to open your hearts wide. Just receive His love this morning. Receive the words of love. He loves you, sons and daughters. These are the sons and daughters. We are the sons and the daughters that he is raising for these last days that we would be raised up in his love to carry his love and be carriers of his glory. Sons and daughters of the almighty God, sons and daughters of the Father. He sent his only begotten son that we would be raised up as sons and daughters. We would be his family. Church, we are the sons and the daughters of the last days. Let's give Jesus a clap this morning. Let's tell Him how much we love Him. Let's give Him a wave offering this morning. Beautiful Jesus, wonderful King of glory.